3: And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage, when you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855 4 cbs 855-212-4227. Send the tweets, send the hot takes at Ken Carmen C-A-R-M-A-N. Danny Vietti will join us, CBS Sports Baseball writer. He'll join us at 1140 a.m. Eastern, 840 Pacific. Also... Coming up in 20 minutes, we got the top five movie franchises of all time. I'm having real problems with this. I'm having real problems with this. This is tough. I thought this was going to be much easier than what it was. I might need more time. Mike Sando going to join us from the Athletic NFL Senior Writer. He has his tiers of quarterbacks that are coming out uh, that he does every single year. And we will talk to him coming up at 1240 p.m. Eastern, 940 a.m. Pacific. Joining us right now. On our hotline. This is a treat every year. Love to get a chance to talk to this guy. Based right in my area, neck of the woods, northeast Ohio. One of the best you're going to find. Find him on Twitter, at PhilSteel42. The author, the the publisher, the, the just the guru of Phil Steele's college football preview. Been going on for a long time. It usually is all over the place. But because of what's going on this year, if I'm not mistaken, it's Barnes & Noble and Books a Million. That's where you can find it. I'm sure you can order it as well. Phil Steele joins us on the show right now to talk college football, Phil. thanks for joining us this morning, my friend.
2: Hey, a real pleasure, Ken. How the heck are you this morning
3: i 'm doing okay, so let me ask you this first off you 've been publishing this this basically a Bible of college football for a long time. What will this year if like the mid american conference, which is right in our neck of the woods, they're saying hey we 're going to try to play football in the spring. What will this year do to your draft or do for your college football guide? for like the 2021 season.
2: Yeah, I tell you what, the the Mac announcement uh, threw me a little bit this morning because uh, I think all the other colleges will be playing in the fall. And uh, how's the Mac going to play in the spring and then come right back and play again in the fall again the next year? I, I think that's going to hurt the Mac conference, especially if we have fall football this year. So I'm going to have to figure that out, Ken. That's, that's one of the tricky things. And uh, it's been an unusual year for the magazine publishing business. Normally it's, status quo every year. You send the last page of the press at the end of May, get the magazine on the newsstand by July 4th, but uh, it's been quite a different year this year.
3: From the coaches you talk to, is it where it, it would have to be, right? Where it just replaces spring practice? Where it just replaces that, replaces that spring season with a, with a uh, spring game and everything then?
2: yeah, none, I didn't really talk to the coaches about moving the game to the spring uh, like the MAC is uh, saying that they're going to do right now. But all the coaches I talked to, Ken, were pretty much next man up. You know, it's uh hey, we didn't have spring practice this year, uh, but I tell you what, you put the football on the field in the fall and we'll be ready to play. So, you know, don't feel sorry for us, we'll we'll be ready to play. And that's that's pretty much the head coach's philosophy. This uh this Mac thing will be pretty strange.
3: Yeah, it will be. Phil Steele joining us on the show. Phil Steele's College Football Preview. Follow him on Twitter, at PhilSteele42. So when you do the preview and you came out with your top four, who was your top four, your picks for the college football playoff uh, for the 2020 campaign?
2: Yeah, I went way out of the box here, Ken. I took uh, Alabama out of the SEC, Clemson out of the ACC, Ohio State out of the Big Ten and Oklahoma out of the Big Twelve. How's that for taking chances?
3: <laughs> well, people. Well, it's chalk. Well, what else is he supposed to do? <laughs> I listen. I love college football. I love it. When, but when, uh, I'm in an NFL city, and there will be people say, "Yeah, you know, it's just it's the same four teams every year." What do you say to that criticism? Because you know, every year, how, how can you bet against those four teams?
2: Yeah, and, you know, last year LSU won the title, so they, you yeah. know, they, weren't, they weren't one of the main ones. And I, I think, Ken, if you look at college football this year, it is a lot closer. You look at the ACC as an example. The ACC last year was Clemson, a Grand Canyon. And I'll ask you, who, who the heck was the second-best team in the ACC last year?
3: Jeez, I, uh, I, I always want to say Florida State, but that isn't the truth. Right Nobody. off the top of my head. Yeah, no, no. I, I <laughs> wanted to say D- D- Doran oh, down in, uh, in NC State, and that became a disappointment. Maybe yeah. it was supposed to be. I mean, who was it? Who do you pick?
2: Nobody. <laughs> there really wasn't anybody that I could say, hey, this was the second-best team. And, and last year I actually rated the ACC the sixth-best conference in college football behind the American Conference because of that large wow. gap. But this year the gap has closed, and with North Carolina, Miami and Florida, pit uh, and Virginia Tech all vastly improved this year. They've closed the gap on Clemson, and then they add in a team like Notre Dame to the ACC. All yeah. of a sudden, the ACC is the third-best conference in college football, and I think that speaks volumes for college football overall. I think Ohio State will be tested by Penn State and Wisconsin. I think Alabama gets tested by Florida, Georgia, LSU, and even Texas A&M. You go out on the West Coast, USC and Oregon are candidates. So I do think the gap is narrowed, but I did go chalk for my top four.
3: You bring up that American Conference, and when you got Luke Fickle down at Cincinnati, UCF is still strong. You know, Temple. Temple was a good program last year. I, I cannot help. I have to mention Memphis. Navy was back last season, if I'm not mistaken. Can you make an argument for why they should be pushing into that Power 5 when when you got some quality football programs here at the tippy-top that could probably beat a lot of those Power 5 schools that maybe are even in the middle of the pack?
2: Yeah, and the argument would be last year uh, where I rated them <laughs> the fifth-best conference ahead of a, of a Power 5 conference. You know, you touched on UCF. They lost three games last year, but they were all close, and I think UCF could be the best group of five team and capable of standing toe-to-toe with the Power 5 teams and we've seen that out of the American Conference they did they had a very good non-conference record last year. Memphis was uh, made the New Year's Day 6. You talked about Luke fickle at Cincinnati. How about SMU? They got to no last year and uh their uh, Dykes is doing a great job bringing in uh their the talent uh to to Dallas. Everybody wants to come back to Dallas and play there. Uh then you take a look at Navy. They had 11 wins last year. Even a team like Houston, which basically redshirted the entire team after four games, they're going to be back strong this year. So the American Conference is a quality league.
3: Well, let me go piece by piece here. If Clemson's the class of the ACC, who has the best shot to go after? Maybe not anybody, but give me a second team if you can.
2: This year I'm going to take two teams with the best shot. One would be North Carolina. And North Carolina, remember last year, uh, was with missed two-point conversion away from beating Clemson. And that was a North Carolina team that was inexperienced. They were number 105 on my experience chart. And this year, they are number 30 on my experience chart. Sam Howell's there, a quarterback. He was as a true freshman last year. He had 30 touchdown passes, just seven interceptions. They are loaded at every area. Uh, Mac Brown's doing a tremendous job recruiting. So I think North Carolina could stand toe-to-toe with Clemson. The other one I throughout out would be Notre Dame and Notre Dame gets to host Clemson this year which is going to be big and perhaps play them again in the ACC title game as they've gone to uh, one big conference and just the top two teams play so I would say North Carolina and Notre Dame both have a shot at knocking off Clemson say
3: things are probably and we're hoping that things are going to be normal again in 2021 I I think that that could be a real big year for North Carolina their recruiting class has been phenomenal uh, you know, I always get a little bit nervous about really good recruiting classes, but I mean, they're right up there at the tippy top. How, when you talk to Mac Brown, how does he keep the how does he keep the fire going? Because he's at an advanced age compared to some of the coaches that he's coaching against in that conference.
2: You know, I think he missed coaching, especially when he was at ESPN with us, and uh, and then he went to uh, you know uh, now he's come back to North Carolina. He has got that fire relit. There is no ifs ands and buts about it. And he is passionate about the game. So, uh, I think he's going to definitely be around. And, uh, I, I love it. I love it. Mac Brown's doing a great job as you touched on recruiting. How mm-hmm. tough is it for someone Mac Brown's age to recruit today? Cause you know, you're talking about different generations and everything. And he just steps right in and does it, doing a tremendous job. So I think he's, uh, it, it's great to have him back in college football.
3: Yeah, both him and Roy down there in North Carolina—they're both doing an exceptional job in recruiting and bringing them in. Okay, I'm going to give you a team in the SEC. You're probably going to tell me I'm wrong for the 2020 campaign. Who could, who could maybe sniff Bama? I'm gonna—I sh- history should tell me I shouldn't. Phil, Phil Steele with us on the show. I'm—I'm gonna pick Georgia as that second best team. Tell me why I'm wrong.
2: Uh, I've got Georgia winning the East and playing in the SEC title game, and they may have the best defense in the country this year, Ken. And they don't have the stars. You know, they don't have the big-name stars, but what they do is they rotate players so much, they, they just get the production. They have a number-five-rated defensive line in the country, the best set of linebackers uh, in the country, led by Monty Rice. And then they've got my number-four secondary. So with the best defense, you've got a chance. Now, you lose your quarterback. Well, they bring in Jamie Newman from Wake Forest. Jamie Newman's a... Six foot five, 230 pound guy that reminds you of Cam Newton. He can run and pass. They also have JT Daniels, who started as a freshman at USC. Those two guys are your new quarterbacks. I think they'll do just fine there. Deep core running backs, and the receivers are even more experienced than last year. Solid on special teams. I did pick Georgia to win the East, and uh, all they have to do is knock off Bama. Remember two years ago in that title game, uh, it was a game that uh, Georgia appeared to have beaten Alabama. Alabama needed that late comeback to get them, or three years ago. Are the
3: LSU Tigers a one-year wonder, or do they return to some sort of prominence in 2020?
2: They have power. They, you know, originally I thought looking at them losing 14 guys drafted and another six guys to the NFL that they would take a big drop off this year. But going through this team talent-wise, they're going to reload. Now, they're not going to reload to 15-0 and and 50 points a game like they did last year, but they're going to reload to perhaps like a 9-3 and or if you're playing 10 games, let's say uh, 8-2, and 7-3 and this year
3: we got Phil Steele joining us on the show. Follow him on Twitter at Phil Steele 42 How far away is Jamie Pruitt in Tennessee then?
2: They're getting closer every year. And I'll go back to my first year that I uh, talked to Coach Pruitt and going over the team with him. Uh, he was not enamored with the talent he inherited. I mean, let's face it, he was coming from Alabama and Georgia. And he's like, this is what I've got? And that first year, they lost seven games. They lost six of them by 25 points or more. Now, last year in his second year, still not overly enamored with the talent, but liked the recruiting classes he was bringing in. And they got blown out by Florida. They got blown out by Georgia, blown out by Alabama. They still weren't close to the big boys. Well, this year it's his third year. He's got 17 returning starters coming back. And I asked him point blank. I said, Coach, you're playing Florida, Georgia, Alabama this year. You think you can compete with these guys? And he said, Phil, there's not a team on the schedule. I don't feel we can't beat this year. So he really likes the talent this year as opposed to the situation he was in three years ago. And I think Tennessee could be one of those surprise teams. Watch out for the Vols. And remember, they're on a six-game win streak right now.
3: Well, yeah, and so many people said, Ken, you're doing it again because I, I it started off so badly last year. And, you know, Pruitt came in a little bit strong. You remember as he he, he ran some guys out of the locker room. He said, You're not going to be a part of this program. We've we got to fix the culture around here. And so people questioned about that. Last year started off a disaster. You're right about how they finished off the season. And I, I, I wonder about Jeremy Pruitt because I always think that he's one of these. These young hotshot coaches, and he's had some experience there, and he might be able to get Tennessee going. It's just the problem of of how, do, how does a team like that recruit in its home state, especially when you got Georgia, Florida, you got South Carolina. I know they shouldn't be that bad that long, right there in that East. And then when you look through the SEC in general, it's just very tough to me for a school like Tennessee to kind of get it back to the Phil Fulmer days.
2: Yeah, but he is bringing in the recruiting classes, and this year I rate their offensive line number six in the country, and I rate their defensive line number 13. So they've got some potential this year.
3: If Now, J- Justin Fields says he's all in on 2020. If they play ten games, six games, doesn't matter. He is all in. If they were to have something happen, if Justin Fields would have said no, how much trouble would Ohio State have been in for the 2020 year?
2: You know, I don't think they would have been in as much trouble as last year. I thought last year they lacked a backup quarterback. This year they bring in two pretty good true freshmen, and Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud. And I know you don't want to rely on true freshmen, but we've seen true freshmen play pretty well. You know, go back to Sam Howell at North Carolina last year, go back to Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, true freshmen can play well. So they've got two quality backups behind Justin Fields this year. But it would be a big drop-off. I mean, Fields last year, 41 touchdown passes, three interceptions. Do you think a different quarterback could match those stats? No, but uh, they'd have a good offensive line. I think it would be a drop-off, but thank goodness Justin Fields is playing, as is Trevor Lawrence this year.
3: So who's second best in the Big Ten?
2: I'm going with Penn State, and this is one of those where it goes back to the conversation I've been having with the coach the all seven years that Coach Franklin's been there. Go back to his first year, they were coming off probation, they had walk-ons in the two deep, it was a, a misfit unit. Now this year, they go three deep at every position, Ken, I'm not talking three deep in names, I'm talking highly touted guys that, hey, if this guy starts, no big deal. So they are a deep squad, they go six deep at running back, they've got a veteran quarterback in Sean Clifford, one of the best offensive lines in the country, one of the best defensive lines in the country. Now, they did lose Micah Parsons, their outstanding linebacker, but that's one unit they were very deep in. They went three deep. We're going to test that depth this year. I think Penn State's the second-best team in the Big Ten, followed by Wisconsin. And remember, Wisconsin actually led Ohio State Twenty-one to ten at the half in that Big Ten title game last year. Their biggest question is who's going to replace Jonathan Taylor, and they usually find a replacement, don't they? They've yeah. got the big offensive line, which I rate number seven in the country. They've got the veteran quarterback, so finding a replacement for Jonathan Taylor is the key for them.
3: You just rarely can go wrong picking offensive linemen from Wisconsin. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's always a fantastic offensive lineman school. They do it. They do it better than a lot of teams out there. The great Phil Steele with us on the show. Okay, is anybody close to Oklahoma in the Big 12?
2: Yeah, two teams. I'm going to say Texas and Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State, two guys turned down the NFL that could easily have gone and been higher-round draft picks. Chuba Hubbard, the 2,000-yard rusher for last year. Tylen Wallace, the Blitnikoff finalist two years ago, was injured. Their defense has 10 returning starters, so they'll be a threat. But I'm going to throw out a team that... I know disappointed a lot of folks last year. Uh, Sam Ellinger said, we're back, and they weren't. They only had eight returning starters last year. And there was a game, Ken, where they were missing their top four defensive backs right prior to playing Oklahoma. Uh, so they were a banged-up defense last year. This year, they've got nine starters back on defense. they got seven on offense, including Sam Ellinger. And there has not been a big gap between Texas and Oklahoma. You know, the last six regular season games between these two teams have all been decided by one score or less, with Texas winning two of the six games. So they didn't have a big jump to make. They're a very veteran team this year. I think Texas finally makes that jump. And remember, just two years ago, they finished in the top ten at the end of the year at number nine.
3: Okay. Is this the year Lincoln Riley gets over the hump with Spencer Rattler and everybody at Oklahoma, or are they still going to get knocked down?
2: Uh, I think with the defense they can actually win a playoff game this year because you know, their team the last three years has all been about offense, and the defense has been middle of the road at best. Well, this year they have a potential top-20 defense With eight starters back, including defensive end Ronnie Perkins, I rate him right up there. You add in a Spencer Rattler, who I know he's not a transfer quarterback like Lincoln Riley has had his first three years, but this guy was my number one rated quarterback out of high school. He got his feet wet last year uh, playing. He's, He's going to be a better passer than Jalen Hurts was last year. And they have my number two rated offensive line in the country. Last year they had one starter back on the O-line. This year the whole unit's back. Bill Benbot does a great job with the O-line. So watch out for Oklahoma. They, could actually, they should make the playoff a fourth straight year, and they could actually win a playoff game for the first time in his four years.
3: Yeah, because I think I love Lincoln Riley, and he makes these quarterbacks. I mean, you gosh, I, I know they got talent in their own right, but Baker Mayfield, number one overall, Lincoln Riley, number one, or excuse me, uh, Kyler Murray, number one overall. Then you have Jalen Hurts, who goes in the second round. I mean, he makes the, he seems to just churn out these quarterbacks, and still, there's going to be people going, "Yeah, when's he going to win a playoff game?" So that's always the biggest question there, Phil. All right, couple more. Who's your Heisman Trophy winner?
2: Uh, I think it's between two guys, and it's the two guys that both just announced are coming back, and that would be Justin Fields, who had a 41-3 ratio. I had questions, Ken, because he was working by an inexperienced offensive line. It was his first year as a full-time starter. Can the guy read defenses? I just checked every box. They have a veteran offensive line this year. He can with 41 touchdowns, so watch out for him. And he'll have some big wins on the schedule as well. And then Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, maybe he got bought into it thinking that he could do everything at the start of last year. He had eight interceptions those first seven games. But over the last seven games, how about 22 touchdowns and zero interceptions? And when you're looking at the first pick in next year's draft, it's Trevor Lawrence He's got a a team that's going to be unbeaten most likely at the end of the year, and if that's the case, I think it's between he and Fields for the Heisman. I went with Justin Fields. I think Fields will have a couple more big games on the schedule than will Trevor Lawrence, and that's why I went with Fields to win the Heisman this year.
3: How many monitors, final question, how many monitors do you have in that
2: room of yours? Twelve TVs in front of me to watch twelve games. I hope I got them all twelve fired up this year, Ken, and then I always got a couple of computers in case I want to watch an extra game or two.
3: That is incredible. So wait a, So, do you get upset with yourself if you pay attention to one game too long?
2: Yeah, it, actually I would. And <laughs> the good thing about college football, though, is that each play takes about five to six seconds, and then there's about 15 to 20 seconds of downtime. So generally on the 12 TVs, uh, you have got three or four games going on at one time. And I drink a lot of Diamond Mountain Dew during the day to keep me focused.
3: Okay, f- uh, now i got another one that comes from this. I watch 90% of my sports on mute. Do you watch on mute, or do you turn it all up to let, 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 just let the madness take over in your, own, in your own home there? how's that work?
2: Yeah, two games with volume. That's about the most you can handle trying to watch 12 games and listen to two games. That's about the most I can handle. If I had four games on volume, I think it would just turn into noise. So I do listen to two games at the same time.
3: Oh, my goodness, the great Phil Steele with us on the show. Now, I'm right. It's, it's Barnes and & Noble and Books a Million. Am I right about that?
2: Yeah, and the only two places this year, yes. we printed about one fourth the quantity we normally do, but only Barnes and Noble only books a million this year, or philsteel.com dot com if you if you want. That's uh, S T E E L E dot com.
3: There you go. It's the Bible. You know I love it, Phil. We can't thank you enough for the time. We hope that we have as much of a college football season as we can. Enjoy that year, my friend.
2: Always love talking football with you, Ken. Had a blast today.
3: Thank you, buddy. Phil Steele. Phil Steele's college football preview. Find him on Twitter, at PhilSteele42. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up here in a bit. Hickey's excited because he mentioned Penn State. We'll play Phil Steele's answer about Penn State coming up. Also, Danny Vietti is going to join us. CBS Sports baseball writer. We'll talk with him because I'm actually encouraged by pro sports with what's going on with the Marlins and Cardinals. I'll run that by him. Coming up next, we run over the top five. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. We got Danny Vietti joining us. CBS Sports baseball writer. Talk to him coming up at 11:40 a.m. Eastern, 8:40 a.m. Pacific. It's such a downer. I get off the I get off the phone with Phil Steele. Phil Steele's the best. Love Phil Steele. Every year, it's such a treat to talk to the guy. And then Pete Thamel, seven minutes ago, well, source: Big Ten presidents are meeting today. All options are on the table. There's some presidential momentum. For canceling the fall football season, it's unknown if there's enough support to make that decision today. I'd imagine they wouldn't, but, I mean, who knows? Anymore, I wouldn't be surprised about anything. So I'm hoping that there's a college football season. We'll see if there's a we'll see if there's a college football season. Uh, but according to Pete Thamel, uh, right now the Big Ten presidents are meeting today. Don't know what time. Uh, all options are on the table. There's some presidential momentum for canceling the fall football season. Well, okay, Rutgers doesn't count. Okay, Pete, it's a joke. Eight five five two one two four CBS eight five five two one two four two two seven. All right, we'll cover that as soon as we possibly can, as much as we can. We'll follow this story today throughout the rest of the show. Obviously, Filippone, will talk about it coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern uh, when he takes you from 2 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Pierno.
1: Yes, Ken.
3: You gave me the option of the top five movie franchises. Now, these are my favorites, right? My top five favorite movie franchises of all time. Okay. Are we ready to do our top fives? We're ready, Ken. (sighs) Okay. Do you want to do yours first? Because I'm still nervous about mine.
1: You're the host. You go first.
3: No, you go first, you pig. I go after you. That's how it works. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yep. All right. So
1: at number five, I'm going to with Back to the Future. Uh, Marty McFly, great protagonist. He's likable. It's a feel-good movie. It appeals to every age range. Um, Back to the Future 2, at the time, you know, you had the time travel and the alternate timeline. So that's more commonplace now in movie and TV. But at at the time, it was very fresh. Um, Lacks some of the heart of the first movie. But I think it got it back in the third one, also listen the imagination that they showed. Listen listen
3: what? to this explanation on you, boy. We got a regular Gene Siskel over here. All right, continue. All right, so continue. Back to the
1: Future Five. Number four, I'll keep this one short. Star Wars is a cultural phenomenon, enough <sighs> said Number three, I'm going with Indiana Jones, Indiana oh, Jones.
3: Man, damn it, I forgot
1: Indiana Jones! Yeah, come on. One of the most iconic names in cinematic history. Spielberg, Spielberg took a character that no one had ever heard of and made him an icon. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, without a doubt, one of the greatest movies of all time. And the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, the the greatest probably opening sequence in action film history with the jungle, the temple, the traps, the boulder. All three of those movies are fantastic. The fourth one I saw once. It's awful. I, I can't I don't think I've seen it since. Uh, So I can't even tell you what it's about. But the first three Indiana Jones movies are all great. Uh, Number two for me, the uh, Toy Story franchise. All four movies are excellent. I love animation. The first Toy Story was the first full-length computer animated movie. So it was a milestone for animation. And again, uh, the second one is probably the best out of all four. But all four are excellent. I love Toy Story. And Which number one's one Toy for- Story
3: 2? Toy Story 2 is the one where he gets shipped off to Japan, right? Or they're trying uh, to the ship him off ja- to Japan.
1: Uh, uh, he's about I to I hate Jesse. Toy Story 3. Jesse yeah. to I hated Toy Story 3 I
3: hated Toy Story 3 I hated it well, that's it's ri- an annoying movie well, an you can't movie. hate any of those movies no, they're Toy all Story great 3 is so annoying. you're wrong
1: about that I, hate, I don't it, care it, it, it insists uh, I, upon itself I'm not listening to it, it. you insists you upon when it comes to Toy Story you're not going to win anything over it, it. it. you're insists not going to convince me they're all great Pixar all right, is great I'm a Pixar enthusiast love Pixar I told you number one Godfather the first two iconic Godfather 1, arguably the greatest movie of all time. Godfather 2, one of the great movies of all time. First sequel to win the Best Picture Oscar. Godfather 3, highly, under, uh, highly underrated. I'm it's, surprised a, it's a very said that. good movie. The yep. opera scene, uh, the Atlantic City Massacre, Michael's muted um, scream at the end. Uh, obviously, uh, this, the uh, Sofia Coppola, that was a uh, big black mark on Godfather 3. But hey, still, it was nominated seven Academy Awards for Best Picture. And I have to go back and look, but I do believe it actually made more money. Uh, uh, then Goodfellas, which also came out in 1990. So, Godfather, the first two are great classics. The third one, it's not obviously at the level I'm of the first you defend two, him. I'm it's glad still you defend very good.
3: Him. Yeah, it, it's not a bad movie. It's Godfather 3 is not a bad movie. It's just it doesn't touch Godfather 1 or 2, but it's still a good movie, okay? So, I, I'm not going to hear any of the slander at Godfather 3. I'll do my top five pretty quickly. It's in shambles. It is in shambles because I didn't even think of freaking Indiana Jones, so I have to throw that in there. All right, Die Hard missed out on the top five. I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, John. Uh, Nope. Do I put Die Hard in? What did I sound like? I was just doing there. All right. This is tough. Okay, back to the future, number five. No, you know what? Indiana Jones is outside. I'm putting Die Hard at number four. Sorry. Sorry, Indy. You're at number six. You're at number six. I'm putting Die Hard in there at number four. I love Die Hard. I'm not just going to try to impress the crowd. I'm going to go with what I want to do, and that's what I am. Okay, so I got number four. I got Die Hard. Number three, I got Godfather. I can't believe you didn't put this one in your top five. This is surprising that you didn't have it in there. Number two, Batman. Pierno, uh, the thoughts. Nolan Trilogy. Um, I it, it, like, yeah, I like the Christopher Nolan.
1: Uh, it, it's good, the trilogy, uh, but I think the best one out of them is the first one, Batman Begins. Uh, well, I do way. like I do like the Dark Knight, don't get me wrong, Heath Ledger. Uh, Dark, uh, honestly, I think the Dark Knight Rises is a little overrated. I don't think it's that great. It's good. It's not great. I, I think the first one's the best. Batman Begins is my favorite out of the uh, Nolan Trilogy.
3: Yeah, they're b I mean, they're all good. I, I even like the Michael yeah, they're Keaton all good. ones, man. I even like those. Oh no,
1: Michael Keaton's the man. Tim Burton. Yeah, I love those first Tim two. Tim
3: Burton was so good. That, I mean, Batman Returns, that second one. It's so dark and scary. I love it. I think they're great. So either way, I think you're I think you're shooting fish in a barrel. With the first ones or these last ones with Nolan. The one in the middle I'm not sure about. Anyway, um, number one I think is Rocky. I don't care what anybody says. Rocky five. I get mad about Rocky 5 because I think it was just asinine. First, Rocky can – in Rocky 2, he's illiterate because you remember, I only work with professionals. He can't read. Uh, and in Rocky 5, he is, a, he is a businessman. Just go out and make commercials. Like, he has to move back to Philly. He's got to move back to the old neighborhood. I'm like, what are you doing? Just make commercials, Rocky. You're Rocky Balboa. You don't work. You don't have to work. Just go make commercials. Now you can read and write and speak and do all those things. Just go make commercials. It's not hard. Larry King is how old? Larry King is like 1,000 years old. He's still doing penis pills. Just go out and do that, Rock. Just go do that. You're telling me in the 1980s, there was what? This is Rocky Balboa for DeLorean. Like, you wouldn't have had that? You couldn't have done that. This is Rocky Balboa. And while I'm out and about, I drive the Dodge Aspen. Like, you could have done that. No, I'm just going to move back to the old neighborhood. Be a pitch man. Be a promoter in your own right. Make the real money. That part I hate. But the four Rockies, my my good friend Adam the Bull did correct me about Rocky IV, and I'm glad he did. A long time ago, I had a big fight with Adam, and he goes, Ken, you are so full of American ego that that's why you like Rocky Four. Take some of that out and look at the movie. And I go, you know what? He's right. Rocky one's the best. I I like Rocky three, but I do put them in order. Actually, I I think it's Rocky one, Rocky two, Rocky three, then Rocky four, and Rocky five is Rocky five's a mess. But I just argue with the with the play out of it, and it makes me more angry at Adrian. And we've gone down that road many times.
1: Don't forget Rocky so Balboa.
3: Rocky Balboa is a good movie. Yes, I mean they're they're good movies. They're they're good movies. That's why they're number one. <laughs> that's why they're number one on my list. All right. Coming up next, that is the top five. Coming up next, Danny Vietti joins us. We talk baseball with him. This is the Ken Carman Show. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227, sponsored by GEICO. Did you know that right now, is offering an extra 15% on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? That's on top of... What Geico could already save you, so what are you waiting for? Visit geico.com to learn more. I wanted to do that perfect so I could say that read was absolutely perfect. One of the finest wrestlers of all time. 40 minutes away. We will do work or shoot, speaking of, which Pierno, you're going to wish you were on uh, on that one. Hickey's going to be running that one. Also, the elite franchise, journeyman and dangerous QBs for 2020. That coming up at High Noon Eastern. We are paying attention to Pete Dammel's report about the Big Ten, which is weird because Ohio State's athletes have come out and said, listen, we are fine with the guidelines, we're good with this, we want to play, we will pay attention to this throughout the rest of the show, and obviously uh, Andrew Filippone will do that coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern as well. Pete Thamble saying that the the Big Ten presidents are going to meet today and that I guess what is on the table for some is uh, shutting down football for 2020. So we will mention that again later on. We will talk football with Mike Sando at 1240, but right now i got to go to Danny Vietti, CBS Sports Baseball writer. Find him on Twitter, at Danny Vietti. He used to be a pitcher, and folks, today's his birthday. Today's Danny's birthday. Danny, how old are you now?
4: I am the big 2-4 today.
3: Wow, so young, so supple. Danny Vietti joining us on the show. <laughs> What's the greatest birthday gift you ever got?
4: Oh, geez. Uh, or just put me on the spot early here. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's gotta be my first baseball game. Uh, when I was, I think six, seven years old, got really? tickets to go see A's Yankees. Um, and you know, that's one of the best memories to this day. So, you know, I'm a baseball lover for life. So I think that's gotta be number one.
3: That is so nice. That is such a nice word. To God. Danny, you and I have never met. I'm really that is a very nice thing. At, find him on Twitter, <laughs> at Danny Vietti. You tugged right at my heart right there. That's fantastic. Danny joining us on the show. Hey, can I throw something by you? We'll see what you think of it, okay? I'm actually right. I'm actually encouraged by the Marlins and Cardinals, and I'll tell you why. One was at a, at a gentleman's club, and if we were off there, I'd call it a different thing with you. The other one was at a casino. Everybody else seems to be doing okay. So I, I almost – and I know it's a scary conclusion to draw, and I know we're not out of the woods by any means necessary. But I'm thinking, okay, if you can't have a bubble – is it reasonable, I guess it is, to just ask adults to act like responsible adults, Danny?
4: I couldn't agree more. I I don't want to say it was blown out of proportion because
3: it was a serious
4: situation. And if you have one outbreak, that could lead to another outbreak, especially mm-hmm. when these guys are – they're big rosters. You're throwing 30 guys out there, and they're playing against another group of 30 guys. So you just don't want it to spread. And so I think what – got lost in the situation is the fact that it really didn't spread. Uh, There were two people within the Phillies organization who were playing the Marlins at the time. They did contract the virus, um, but they were both asymptomatic, if I'm not mistaken. And so, point being, it really hasn't spread that much. And yes, the schedule has really gotten complicated now. Um, I think that's really the biggest takeaway for me is we're now asking a team like the Miami Marlins to play 57 games in about a 53-day span. Um, and that's, that's a lot to ask. And to me, that's tough because the whole reason we're in this situation is because of health. And now we're going to ask these players to go play 57 games in 53 days. Now we're taxing their shoulders. Now we're putting more and more pressure on these bodies. So that's my biggest uh, concern.
3: Danny Vietti joining us on the show. I agree with you. And Well, my, my other question is, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to be – A goof, I need to ask the question, what's the point of having taxi squad players if we're not going to use them?
4: Yeah, it depends on the situation. It depends on the team, Um, especially with rosters are now being minimized to 28 players, Mm -hmm. where it was starting at 30. Um, I think it's just going to take a while, and um, unfortunately, no team really has a while with this condensed season. But I think it just takes a while to learn the strategy and kind of learn how to use that taxi squad. Um, I've seen the Padres use it a little bit. I've seen the Oakland A's use it a little bit. I think it just kind of depends on the organization. But um, to your point overall, I I think teams are just – it's just a new um, strategy. It's a new tactic that they don't really know how to use yet. Um, So I think it just kind of takes some time. And unfortunately in a 60-game season, time is not exactly of the essence.
3: Is Mike Trout already the greatest player in history? I saw you tweeted that a couple of days ago. (laughs)
4: i just like stirring up the i just like stirring up the room a little bit every time i i tweet about mike trout i always put greatest player of all time just to (laughs) just to get the gears grinding a little bit um he's not yet he's still got a long ways to go um he doesn't have the accolades Um, at the same time it's really not his fault why his team has had uh no success when you look at his bullpen and his starting rotation on the angels um it's been atrocious to say the least last year in 2019. Um, Their starting pitcher was Trevor Cahill on opening day. Uh, Trevor Cahill isn't even on a team anymore here in 2020. He's on the San Francisco Giants, but he's not pitching for the San Francisco Giants. Um, He's on their taxi squad. So um, he needs help. And a lot of people put it on him that uh, it's his fault because he's the one that signed the long-term deal. He knew what he was getting himself into. He didn't know he was getting himself into a team that had no starting pitching, no bullpen. He, He when you go into those contract negotiations, you're told, look, we're going to do what's what's best for us, and we're going to do our best to put the best team out there for you. I don't think the, Angel, the Angels have done that. I don't think the front office has done a good enough job to respect that contract.
3: I, at the beginning of the season, thought that the Yankees might be in a little bit more trouble than people want to say because, hey, I, I don't know if Aaron Judge can make it through a whole season because he was already having, like, what, shoulder stiffness or back stiffness while they were doing the summer training and he started off okay, and the, and the Yankees have started off well. Is, is this a season now where if it's a 60-game season, does that actually suit Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge better than what I thought originally?
4: 100%. Yeah, uh, I, I think if you're going to pick one team that benefited most from this delayed season and condensed season, it's got to be the Yankees just for health reasons. Um, you look at their roster, they weren't going to have Aaron Judge, they weren't going to have Giancarlo Stanton, they weren't going to have James Paxton. Miguel Duhar was going to be on the AL. Um, the list really goes on and on. Uh, it's a laundry list of names that have just been injured and just really needed time to recuperate. It's been – I don't want to say COVID has been a blessing disguised, disguise because it truly has been a pandemic, and it's been horrible across the board. At the same time, you're seeing a lot of these players come back from this time off, and they're saying they're in the best shape of their lives um it's not just a couple guys there's a lot of guys that came into the summer camp and they look better than I've ever seen before Giancarlo Stanton being one of them um Aaron Judge I don't know if I want to say he's in the best shape of his life but he's healthy um and when you have the bullpen that the Yankees have and a bullpen that doesn't even have a Chapman yet he's working his way back from COVID-19 he's going to be back on that roster soon so you know they have the best record in the American League so far, and they don't really have their best bullpen arm yet, and that bullpen is absolutely stacked. And it's scary to think that they were supposed to have Luis Severino out there this year too, but he's out with Tommy John. So that roster, is, it's scary, man. It really is.
3: At Danny Vietti on Twitter, today's his birthday. I got one more question, then I'll let you go celebrate. Who do you have now in the World Series?
4: I No, my prediction before the season was Yankees-Dodgers, and I'm, I, they've given me no reason. Uh, either side, they've given me no reason to not believe that so far. So I'm going to stick with Yankees-Dodgers. I had the Dodgers winning it all. Um, hopefully they just have a little bit of a revenge tour, if you will, for all the ill, um, Ill luck they've had these last couple of years. So I'm going Dodgers-Yankees, and Dodgers are, are taking the crown this year.
3: Danny, can't thank you enough for the time. Now, what are you doing tonight? What's your birthday? What's your birthday plans?
4: I'm actually out with a group of friends out in Yosemite National Park out here in California just kind of celebrating the day.
3: Wow. Are you serious? Taking in nature at 24. Oh, my God, to be young again. All right, Danny, enjoy the day. Be safe and be well, and happy birthday, bud.
4: Yeah, anytime. Have a good one, guys.
3: You too. Danny Vietti. CBS Sports Baseball writer, follow him on Twitter, at Danny Vietti. Only 24, he's out there at Yosemite. Oh, man. What it was like to be 24. I was getting married, getting ready to get married at 24. I was engaged at 24. Danny's out there, out at Yosemite. Got the trees. Got his friends. Probably a nice, well-packed bowl. Just enjoying life, man enjoying it out there. I'm dead serious about the about the Marlins, though, in all seriousness. The Marlins, if I got guys who are going out to a gentleman's club, and I almost said a different word that, that Pierno was going to have to dump. I got guys going out to a gentleman's club. I got guys going out to a casino. Other than that, everybody else is fine. I told you this before in an earlier segment. I got the team and the Cardinals going to Minnesota. Nobody else got it. The Indians didn't get it when they went up to Minnesota. Everybody was fine. Now, people were worried about that. I'm thinking, well, they should be sterilizing regardless of the times. They should be doing that, and they certainly would be sterilizing now. It wasn't like the guy who was cleaning it just cleaned it with farts, like they were cleaning the place. So if I have these guys here who are okay, it's not hard to ask people to be – ask adults to be responsible adults. If we're all supposed to be responsible in this, no matter what you believe – even if you're one of the people who think, listen, this whole thing's overblown and da, da 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 you still should take proper precautions, should you not? And if you're going to play in professional baseball, you should certainly th- take on proper precautions. The reason I mention baseball is for the same reason I mentioned the NFL. College football's a different entity. You're not paying them. It's a different conversation. We'll get into that here again. But when you're looking at the NFL for the first time, I'm talking about costing guys their money in general. Before, hey, you get suspended, that's on you. You could cost other guys paychecks. So it, it should be a lesson where, hey, if you act as a responsible adult, this can work. Coming up next, the elite, the franchise, the journeyman, and the dangerous QBs for 2020. It's Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?